This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. Of course, this is Matt Splained. And I thought for a minute he'd try to get me to do another space, the Final Frontier opening, um, which I guess he kind of has by not getting me to do a Final Frontier opening. Yeah, anyway, um, spatial computing? <laughs> hey, Rich. Yeah, uh, I'm not bad. I'm just programmed that way. Um that's my unnecessary nod to Jessica Rabbit out of the way. So uh, <laughs> listeners to uh, Enterprise BizBytes last Friday might have heard a, a very jet-lagged version of me talking quite badly about the uh, new Apple VR goggles. Now, this show is not going to be about the goggles, well, not entirely, um, but we do have to talk about them, um, although I hope it's not the focus. It's more oh, about focus, goggles, focus. Mm, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, it's more about coming back to the, the core idea of what it is that those goggles deliver. Uh, but, you know, um, most importantly, I think we have a word, you know, um, thank the stars. We have a word to describe mm. all of this stuff that we're, we're doing with, uh, you know, this kind of computing. So over the past couple of years, we've struggled through the metaverse. We've struggled with VR and AR, XR, uh, mixed reality. We've struggled with what they are, how they work, uh, where they overlap. And the point we tried to made, uh, make is that we probably won't call them anything. They'll yeah. just be the internet and the cloud and computing. It's just the way that we use them will be kind of in a different way. Uh-huh. Now, that's a lot of words, Matt, without you actually getting to the actual word. Well, less of a, a word maybe and more of a term. So thanks to Apple's launch, millions of people have now heard the word spatial computing or heard the words spatial computing. And mm. while it's a a long way from being cemented in the public's imagination, it does seem to be firmly lodged in the media ecosphere. And it's that issue about what does spatial computing actually mean? Hey, I'm supposed to be doing the questions here. Come on. Well, I'm doing an apple. I'm cutting out the middleman. You know, I, I've been I've been meaning to turn this show into a walled garden anyway. I mean, you know. Just me, me, and more me. Um, spatial computing is, you know, it's essentially what we've been talking about for the last couple of years when we talk yeah. about the metaverse and all of the surrounding technologies that will make that metaverse happen. So whether that's VR, whether that's AR, whether that's extended reality, mixed reality, uh, it's about the gesture tech that will allow us to navigate those spaces. And it's also about all of that convergence with remote working technologies. Mm, mm. So spatial computing itself isn't a term that Apple has invented. Uh, according to uh, Wikipedia, that's extensive research on my part. It was uh, coined in uh, 2003 by a guy called uh, Simon Greenwald. He used it in a graduate thesis for MIT. What Apple has done is create a device that brings all of those threads of technology um, together, the, the VR, the AR, the mixed reality. It brings them to life, but it's not necessarily a solution in itself. It's, it's more of a vision, perhaps, of the future. 
Well, yeah, it's a bit like the NVIDIA ACE system that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. You mm. know, the idea of that is it will allow developers to integrate chatbots and voice tech to make non-playable characters in games interact in new and more natural ways. To be so interesting. It, to be interesting, exactly. It, it offers a path, but it's up to developers to decide and to work out how to use that path. And that's kind of where we are with the Vision Pro. With the Vision Pro, we have the first, maybe not mass market, but certainly mass marketing of this kind of control system. Uh, you know, Steve Jobs had that thing about he hated the idea of the multi-button mouse. Well, you can track the cursor and control the Vision Pro with your retina. You mm. can give it voice commands. It has outward-facing cameras and sensors that allow you to do the same kind of gesture controls that you already do with Mac computers with your arms and your hands. And it doesn't cut you off from the world like a lot of traditional VR headsets do. You know, it, it uses LiDAR and other sensors to map the space you're in, and then it projects that space inside the goggles and arranges your screen experience as though you are looking outwardly. Mm. Now, whether that be for you know work purposes or entertainment purposes, uh, it wraps everything around the things and the people in the spaces you occupy. So sure, it's kind of a filmed projection rather than an actual pass through. But I think it's, you know, maybe it's slightly clunky, but it is a workable hybrid. Now, we still come back to the core idea, to that core idea. Irrespective of whether spatial computing becomes widespread, and I mean, it is cool looking, is, it, is the Vision Pro um, currently a useful device? Well, in and of itself, I think it's too expensive to be of any kind of widespread or practical use. You know, you can't tout the working potential of a device that costs the best part of 4,000 US dollars. I mean, if you were running an SME with 250 employees, it would cost you a million dollars to outfit your workforce with what is essentially a very light computing device. You still need laptops or desktops on top of that. In fact, I read something in the Harvard Business Review that said uh, this actually is a a market-priced model because Apple already sells uh, monitor screens that retail for up to $6,000. But I think, you know, obviously that's that's living in cloud cuckoo land. you know, when you compare that to the cost of a PC or a 4K monitor, third party, there's no contest there. Right. And when you scale that up to multinational companies with headcounts in the tens of thousands, companies that use integrated systems and working methods, those costs would simply become astronomical. So do you think this is more of a, a, a signal rather than a sales pitch? I, I think so. You know, we we forget things very quickly. Um, Apple used to be in the business of selling us ideas. Yeah. We would buy its devices because we bought into the idea. The iPod wasn't the first MP3 player. It wasn't even the best MP3 player but it was the MP3 player that everybody wanted. And the same with the iPhone. It wasn't the first smartphone. You know, we were already living in a BlackBerry world when the iPhone launched. We were connected, but our idea of connecting was 
BBM, BlackBerry Messenger, which is, yeah. you know, basically what WhatsApp is to us today. Uh, plus, of course, email. Um, mobile internet was still incredibly slow. And not to confuse it with Cardi B, it relied on what portals? Um, so, I mean, a, a question for you, you what, what's more important? I mean, if you think back to that time, what, what's more important, the, the device, the, the phone itself, or the apps that ran on it? Mm. I, I think back, if I look back then, uh, for me, it was the phone. Uh, that, that's where I was coming from. I needed a phone. Um, but obviously things have changed now. No, exactly. So it was Apple that sold us on the idea of the app. Mm. And that idea of the app sold iPhones. Yeah. And Apple didn't even make any decent apps. In fact, Apple still doesn't make any decent apps. You know, who on earth Ooh. wants the stocks app that sits <laughs> on your phone? And their weather app still kind of sucks. Mm. And that's why I, I mentioned the NVIDIA Ace example, because Apple created the possibility, but it left creating the realities to other people. Right. And yeah. that's actually a really powerful concept put the platform in people's hands and let third parties develop your retention and loyalty mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty much the idea that every games platform is now based on. But when we go back to that idea of a signal, um, with the Vision Pro, this is Apple saying, this is what our technology does. You know, all those other competitors, the people who are working at VR, AR and XR, you know, whatever companies, well, sorry, we've cracked it. We've got yeah. a display that's truly functional for work, not just for watching movies. We have an operating system inside it that's intuitive and familiar that integrates with all the other devices that you're already using on our OS and can seamlessly jump between them. You know, you can take the screen of your laptop and project it into your goggles. Uh, and we have the navigation system that uses your eyes, hands, and your mouth and actually works. So the Vision Pro, and I know this is a bit of a contortion of, of <laughs> grammar and logic, the Vision Pro isn't the beginning of spatial computing, but it is where it starts. To take a British colloquialism, it would be the equivalent of us saying, stick a fork in me, I'm done. Um, <laughs> exactly. Something along those lines. Okay, but the, um, what you were saying, oh, this is where it starts, and that's a point we should get back to. You know, Apple has announced spatial computing to the world. Um, but do you think the world is is ready for that? And are we ready to listen to what it is that Apple are preaching to us? Well, earlier I mentioned, you know, the confusion and the complexity about VR AR, all of these mixed realities. But in yeah. a sense, that world is already here. As I keep mentioning, um, to the point that people get bored with it, we're already in the era of voice computing, just as we're already in the era of AI computing. And those two are already merging. Uh, and when you have those two merging, you already have a big chunk of what spatial computing actually is. Mm. You know, blurring our ability to, to access computing power on demand and changing the way that technology communicates with us. But at the moment, we really don't have that kind of bucket 
to put it in. If we have a dialogue with a chatbot, is that the metaverse? Is it virtual or augmented reality? So in strict terms, maybe not, because we talk about layers and computers in terms of screens. But natural language processing certainly is a layer and it certainly is an interface. You know, we've been seduced by this idea of screens, I think, for a little bit too long. Early computers were about printouts, not about mm. screens, partly mm. because of the technology, but the two weren't synonymous. Screens mm. were used as an input device, not really so much of an output device. And I think that's what makes the the bucket, what we actually call this stuff, so important. You know, I don't care if we call the bucket spatial computing or if we call it Jeff. Um, and hi, Jeff, uh, by the way, if you're listening, we still miss you. Sometimes I hate using your analogies. I mean, it's the bucket that cements the idea. I know. And this is where I put my kind of marketing nerd head on. Um, how we think about products is often as important or even more important than what those products actually do. And that's why we get so annoyed with the products we buy that under-deliver on what they promised. Mm. Um, that doesn't include smart fridges, by the way, because if you bought one of those, the only person you can blame is yourself. Um, <laughs> it's, it's why the idea of the metaverse is so underwhelming, because the only thing we can think of mm. is, you know, why? What would I do there? Would I bounce around like Mark Zuckerberg's avatar? Would I go shopping and buy stuff for a version of me that doesn't exist? Um, do I use it to have mm. meetings with people that I can already see in person or call on Zoom? You know, people love virtual reality when they play games on it or maybe watch movies but they struggle to imagine it having a wider purpose. And if you can't convey the concept, how do you promote the products that build on those concepts? Mm. You know, AR is like a, a, a VR layer on, on top of what you see. Um, extended reality is all of it. And mixed reality is I mean, I don't know what mixed reality is. Do you know? No, I, I, I'm as lost as you are. I mean, every week we're hearing these new terms and they try to, I say they, explain them to us in the simplest of terms and it just gets even more confusing. Well, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because I got this from a website that tried to explain it. So this is from a learning institute um, called the Interaction Design Foundation. So I'm quoting now. The Virtuality continuum is a theoretical framework that can help you visualize and understand the differences between the various technologies that exist today and those that are yet to be invented. For example, you can simplify the concept and think of a spectrum of immersion where one end is low immersion and the other end is high immersion. Then you can situate the technologies according to the degree of immersion they provide. Yeah. I mean, okay. exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> essentially within that protocol or structure, extended reality functions as the umbrella term. So that's your spatial computing. Augmented reality sits at the low immersion end. It's a layer on top of physical reality. Mixed reality sits in the middle, uh, a blend of the physical and digital, which allows physical and digital assets to interact. I'm really not entirely sure how that's different from AR, but I assume it is. And 
Virtual reality, of course, is the fully immersive digital asset. But as we said, who followed much or any of that? Is a, a continuum or a spectrum useful to a consumer? Right. You know, it, that thing I quoted talks about simplifying the concept. Well, what's the complex version? <laughs> you know, I've seen I've seen people, not least Apple, talk about the Vision Pro as a game changer. Mm. And I don't think it is because it doesn't change the game, but it does help to define it. Mm. And defining extended reality, branding it as spatial computing, helps to create that space that the idea needs in order for it to take root. Yes. Okay. I'm going to let that digest with everybody for a moment. Uh, and when we come back, spatial computing and the future, I think. You're listening to Matt Splaint here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Building Future Malaysia, BFM 89.9. The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is uh, Matt Splained. Before the break, we discussed Apple's Vision Pro headset and the way it seems to be cementing the concepts of augmented and virtual realities. Do you think Apple is going to dominate that future in the way um, it has done with the iPhone? Well, I think the, the first point there is that when we talk about Apple dominating, Apple doesn't necessarily dominate in terms of market share. It's usually quite happy to define the media portrayal of that idea. So when you think about apps, you think about Apple, even if you don't have an Apple device. And it sells its actual devices uh, to a niche at, you know, a handsome profit. So if you look at the, the kind of figures in the market, the sales of uh, Android devices dwarf iPhone sales mm -hmm. globally. But that's because Apple isn't offering low margin products, which the other manufacturers have to do in order to capture market share and sell their uh, higher end devices. Yeah. So, as I said, Apple has defined the app and Apple makes money. Um, but because it defines the app, it also makes money for the operators of the Android marketplaces. Yeah. So when we look at this in terms of spatial computing, as I said before the break, Apple hasn't invented spatial com computing. Um, you know, that it's like a lot of similar tech terms that fly underneath the radar. And sometimes we don't notice when that underground idea becomes the norm in the same way that we didn't notice when the app with a capital A just became one of a dozen or a hundred apps with a small A that lived on our phone or other device. You mean that point where we feel as though we've been using something our entire lives? Well, yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine how anyone could not know what the internet is or what a smartphone is. Right. I mean, do you remember the information superhighway? Uh, <laughs> I mean, that was a horrible, <laughs> terrible analogy that we all lived through. Um, many or perhaps most of us have been through 
those technology education and re-education processes over and over again. So always on internet is now the norm. It's not just some futurist's pipe dream. Uh, Look at streaming media. Until a few short years ago, we all watched TV programs on a schedule. Right. You know, we we looked what time a a program was on and we tuned in to watch it in that time slot. And binge watching meant waiting six months or a year for the box set to come out on DVD or VCD, Uh, maybe a bit less time if, you know, you could find stuff at the night market. But how many of us can imagine going back to that pre-streaming world? Mm -mm. No. No, exactly. And it's something we say here so often that we normalize technology so quickly to the point where access to broadband internet is now discussed as a human right because denying people access or not extending access to them cuts them off from information, from education, and also from economic opportunities. Mm -hmm. I mean, even when we look at something like AI a year ago, as far as most people were concerned, in practical terms, AI was Siri or Alexa. Mm-hmm. And now it's an existential threat to our existence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Alexa's demanding fair pay, a five-day working week, <laughs> and paid vacations. Uh, and who knows, you know, once AI starts programming new AI itself, we might even have to give it maternity cover. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's get back to uh, spatial computing for now. Let's not go too far off on a tangent. Okay. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter that Apple didn't invent spatial computing. You know, we place this inflated value on invention, and partly mm. that's because of the startup Silicon Valley mentality. Mm-hmm. The idea that well, the idea that if you have a great idea, somebody will come in and fund it, that the world will adopt it, that you'll get rich and your investors will still wonder how on earth they're ever going to turn a profit. Look at something like Bluetooth. As technologies go, it was a joke for about a decade. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, at the start, about the only thing Bluetooth was used for was giant portable phone headsets worn by salesmen who looked like they'd been kicked out of Comic-Con for not being cool enough. You sound as though you speak from experience there, Matt. That was you, wasn't it? But I'm not ashamed. Um, (laughs) I was an early adopter of handheld computers, of Bluetooth devices. Um, But go around your home now and count the number of Bluetooth or other wireless streaming devices that you own. you know, Bluetooth's inventors or makers, Ericsson, stuck to their guns. They knew that Bluetooth would be valuable, that it mm. had a purpose, uh, that it had a purpose. Um, but this is kind of the danger because Bluetooth is now part of our daily lives. Ericsson isn't. Yeah. You know, I, I know that you can argue that because of what Ericsson does with infrastructure in, in the background, Yes, they are of importance, but consumers don't care about what they don't see. So back to that early question, is Apple the future of spatial computing? Well, Apple has a product that's full of potential, but is currently functionally pretty useless, mostly because developers haven't built anything for it yet. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. And as that happens, yes, I think we can expect more affordable probably not ever cost-effective, but more affordable headsets from Apple. Um, but as I mentioned on, on BizBytes last week, the Vision Pro 
may be the best looking version of blacked out ski goggles on the market <laughs> but it's still a set of blacked out ski goggles yeah. with a battery life that won't even get you through the average marvel movie let alone that monday morning sales meeting and are, are we back to the smart glasses and contact lens argument in a sense i mean all of these immersive technologies are evolving all of the time. So one of the stories that I didn't get around to covering for Weird Science a few weeks ago was a new scientist piece on uh, a new set of um, virtual reality smart gloves uh, developed by a team at the University of Chicago. Now, most haptic feedback suits for VR and AR, they're really bulky, much mm. like the headsets. What the Chicago team came up with is more like a fingerless glove that contains a web of electrodes. So the electrodes feed signals to the base of the fingers, the palm, as well as the backs of your hand. But that actually makes it feel as though you're touching or gripping something. But unlike a normal fully enclosed haptic glove, uh, it doesn't reduce your mobility. You can still move your fingers around so you can grip and interact with things in real life because you still have your real life fingers available right. to touch things. So this is about the layers again. Yes, because at the moment we think of all these immersive realities as being separate. Right. You know, we, we don't think of AR and VR as being the same thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, but actually they're just about moving from one state of immersion to another as needed. Mm -hmm. So mixed reality is that hybrid of AR and VR. But it's difficult to explain and envisage because there isn't an app for that, or at least yet. So no one can say for certain, you know, especially me, what the kind of future is going to look like with this technology. But my guess that when we look at that hideous continuum or whatever it was we described the before the break, um, my guess is that mixed reality in that center point will be the sweet spot. In which right. case, gloves or clothing with some kind of haptic feedback are going to be useful. Uh, I think the the new scientist piece used the example of teaching someone to DJ. So with the gloves, you could remotely send a signal to the wearer to prompt them for the correct time to mix two beats together. So the right huh. time to cut two tracks together. Um, now, that could either be done remotely by a person or presumably by a machine learning system. Mm. So for some reason, uh, Apple's Vision Pro demo also included a DJing case study. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but what Apple has given us with that device is a working market-ready prototype, um, full of potential, but with, as I said, limited application at the moment. But I think if spatial computing really is to take off, it needs to be a lot more user-friendly. And mm. by that, I mean the hardware and not the user interface. Mm. You know, we've, we've said it before, how many people wear contact lenses because they don't want to be seen wearing glasses? Mm. So how do you then expect them to strap a high-tech blindfold on just to use the internet? It isn't going to happen. Mm. Um, but hardware aside, I mean, that, I think that's not the only reason that I'm not sure whether Apple is going to be the one or the company that takes the lead in terms of spatial computing. And uh, this is, I'm guessing, referring to that comment, a machine learning comment you made on uh, EBB uh, last week. 
Yeah, I mean, one of the big announcements Apple made at um, at the uh, WDC was that it was going to improve its AI based autocorrect. So, forgive me for saying so, but if your AI development is still stuck at the autocorrect stage, you might be a little bit behind your competitors in terms mm. of machine learning. You know. Google users have enjoyed sentence prediction in Google Docs and whatever for ages and ages already. Uh, Chatbots are suggesting entire articles for you, and Apple is still trying to perfect predictive text. I think that was a red herring. What, the the autocorrect? Yeah. In which sense? I I think they've done that to say that we're, we're working on something, but we don't want to tell you about it yet. Here's something that we can reveal to you. We're correcting the swear word with the non with the you know I, I think it's a bit of a red herring i think they've done that on purpose well i hope you're right because it is an ai game i mean this is an ai play mm. and that was another reason that i mentioned the nvidia example because mm. this isn't a game that's going to be won by the best immersive hardware or uh user interface, because Mm. AI is already turning those ideas on their head. AI has the potential to allow each of us to have a unique UI tailored to our needs, whereas, you know, Apple is still talking about widgets. (laughs) So I think other companies are thinking more in terms of anticipation. What are the likely outcomes and how many outcomes should be on standby for any question or prompt? And With spatial computing, I think we're looking at a future where the UI and the UX are more about probabilities than they are about programming or design. So there is that danger, I think, for Apple then. You know, does Apple become the 21st century Ericsson? Does the Vision Pro become the 21st century Bluetooth? Destined to provide, you know, functionality and patents for other manufacturers. Ooh, interesting to leave it on a question like that. Thank you very much, man. That was a really interesting show. Thank you. Folks, um, if you have any questions or would, would really like to know what the difference between AR, VR, and all the other ones that we tried to simplify, um, maybe go back and have a, another listen to the show. Uh, of course, the podcast will be up shortly, and you can find it wherever you normally get it from. I recommend the BFM app. That's available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. And if you want to follow Matt on his travels and with his, I don't want to call it rants, his um, discussions topics uh, you can follow him on his <laughs> Substack, of course his newsletter is culturepop.substack.com and is on all the socials this has been Matt Splade here on BFM 89.9 the business station you have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 the business station For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.